Dr. Jim Clark was born in Kamloops, British Columbia. He got his bachelor's degree in physics from the University of British Columbia and his veterinary degree from Western College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Saskatchewan in 1979. He joined a mixed animal practice in Salmon Arm, British Columbia, where he practices to this day. In 1996, Dr. Clark did a sabbatical at the Atlantic Veterinary College at the University of Prince Edward Island. He then attended his first American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association meeting and began his journey into integrated medicine. He is certified in acupuncture by the International Veterinary Acupuncture Society. Outside of veterinary medicine, Jim enjoys dancing, singing in a barbershop quartet, flying vintage airplanes, as well as practicing and teaching Tai Chi. If you've ever attended an AHVMA conference, you know Jim as the leader of Tai Chi practice in the mornings before sessions begin. Please enjoy this conversation as Dr. Clark and I discuss his childhood in the Western Canadian desert, choosing veterinary medicine as a career after his physics studies, the importance of sabbaticals, and how he has maintained a love for the practice of veterinary medicine for over 40 years. Dr. Clark, thanks for joining me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Hey, so where'd you grow up? Well, I grew up at Kamloops, British Columbia. That's Western Canada. Uh, Semi-desert. So we got cactus, rattlesnakes, and uh, less than 10 inches of rain in a year. Wow. Uh, Big family? Uh, Three kids. I was the middle one. So number two, I had to try harder. (laughs) (laughs) So pretty rural then. Yeah, Kamloops, I'm trying to remember that time, 10,000 population pretty uh, middle-class family. My dad worked for the telephone company. We lived right on the edge of town. So as a kid, I just played in the hills. So yeah, cactus and rattlesnakes were my my playmates. Uh, just loved it. When I think about Western Canada, I do not think about desert. You don't, do you? No, This we have this little tiny pocket that uh, no one understands. 104 in the summer, minus 30 in the winter. Wow. Wow. So as I recall, you went went off to school to study physics. Yeah, so I got a long, I kind of came into vet medicine by the back door, um, loved being with animals, loved being in the trees. Um, but yeah, my dad was a, a electronics technician, worked for the telephone company, radio microwave repairman up on the top of mountains doing high tech stuff. And I grew up building radios, amateur radio and transmitters and uh, completely physics, um, math, love i just uh was crazy about it but i love being out in the woods as well so i i'm a gemini true and true so i got right and left brain going all the time met my wife we were wife to be and thought hi i don't want to work in a nuclear reactor what can i do in a small country and small town in the country and looked at medicine and then started visiting some vets and i just loved it i i really liked the vets that i visited and someone said if you like the people that do the job then you'll like the job and uh kind of went from there what was it like going off to school for being from uh, such a rural area i mean you were was it in uh vancouver yes yeah so we were a small town and met you know several of the folks from my class out of high school completely lost it they hit the big city and got into the drugs and and completely went haywire um i just loved it it was my first time away from home big excitement living on your own learning stuff i just 
loved learning stuff. <laughs> yeah, how, no, I loved it. How big of a city? I mean, has Vancouver changed probably a bunch since then? Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I have no idea the size of it, but it's yeah, it's a it's the biggest one out in the Western Canada. Yeah. So had you had you graduated then with a physics degree, then decided about vet school? No, I, I so two years into physics, and then I met Gabriel, and she, you know, you fall in love, and your whole perspective just changes. And and she was her folks were from families from Germany, and so she went back to visit the grandparents, and I went back to join her, and um, we hooked up and started hitchhiking around Europe and decided to stay. So I just I dropped out of school after two years of physics and wandered around, got up for six months on the road, had no money, absolutely nothing, slept out under the trees, <laughs> not even a tent. One, once a week, we'd, I really recommend this. If you're going to get a relationship, spend six months with that person with no job, no kids, no dog, no responsibilities. Your only job is to get to know each other. So yeah. once once a week, we spent a dollar and went to a youth hostel, got a shower. We bought a loaf of bread and a bottle of wine and a piece of cheese. And that's what we lived off for the day. And our job was just to hitchhike and travel and get to know each other. It was it was wonderful. Got into the uh, Austria and into the mountains and the small towns. And I thought, man, I just want to live in a small town in the mountains. And I know where that is. And I came back and went looking for property and bought 80 acres near Salmon Arm. And, and so when did said, you... let's go into vet medicine. Ah, okay. <laughs> so you had the, you had the property before you went yeah. to school. Yeah. I said, what can I do in this town? Yeah. And I thought, you know, I want to be, and this is important. I wanted to be a, um, contribute to the community. I thought uh, I'd seen that in a few times, you know, people, you go into a small town and say, so what do you do? And well, I, I'm a plumber. Oh, good. Well, I got some plumbing to do. I thought, huh, if I said, I'm a vet. Oh, good. You come look at my cow. Um, it probably wasn't the right reason, but it, you know, it got me there. I, and I hated people. And so the other thing was I thought I'd be working with animals. So I, I kind of really miscalculated that whole thing. And then it's funny because as it turned out, um, it's the most enjoyable part of the job is working with people and and just learning to meet them. Oh, you bet. Learning stuff. So, so how was vet school then? It was a challenge, boy. I um, like I was a my math physics is learning, kind of the overall how things work. They give you the formulas and you they give you a question, but this was just memory, memorizing, 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 and I I really struggled trying to figure out how to do it. But finally, finally did. Um, didn't really get along with my professors very well. I'm not sure why. A couple stood out as just excellent teachers. And I really, I just glommed onto them and cooperate and graduate was the, <laughs> was the motto. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I did well. I, you know, graduated with distinction, which I was surprised and um, really loved my clinics. So we had an opportunity in final year to go out and um, spend two weeks in three weeks actually in Douglas Lake Ranch, which is a big cattle um, company not too far from my hometown. And we probably did two cesareans each every day for a couple of weeks. And so by the time I finished, I didn't grow up in a farm, but by the time I finished the Douglas Lake rotation, I was, I felt really competent about 
walking into the, the calving and sorting things out. That's a good experience. It really was. Yeah, I I don't know if they do it anymore. They had the college had a setup where they were really having troubles with first calf heifers, um, huge cesarean rate, and so the college just supplied the the vet power and they supplied the room and room and board and we got to work with real cowboys and uh, eat real cream oh man it was just it was one of those moments i yeah it was great oh wow so now you've got you've graduated and you've got the town the property and the town to go to what was the veterinary situation like there well i they're one of the groups i'd met before trying to decide if i wanted to go into vet medicine um I grew up in Kamloops, but I kind of grew up in a in a small lake um, near Chase, where my cabins, my parents had this cabin. It was, it was a leased lot, just um, really rustic, just a, a shack, uh, outhouse up the hill and buckets of water from the lake. And I think as a kid, I kind of grew up there running barefoot around the mountain. And I wanted to be close to that place. So I came, came back to uh, Salmon Arm, was close to that area. And my first day on the job, uh, I said I made a big mistake. I should never have come here. Ah. <laughs> they were just workaholics. Holy smokes. I thought I was a hard worker. But, um, you know, if we had a... Well, for, so, for example, in my first year as an Nanaimo, worked out of college, and I did three broken legs in a year, and I just loved doing surgery. My first week in Salmon Arm, I did three broken legs that week, and and usually every weekend there'd be two two fractures to repair. We did it all ourselves. There was no one to refer. This is forty. I just passed my forty years being wow, nineteen eighties yeah. when we came, and so there's no one to refer to. We just did it all. We were the only clinic for more than a hundred miles around, and it was just. But there was just really, really, really busy. So we'd come in. Two vets would come in at six o'clock, do the do the fracture, and then clean up. Um, and so we could start appointments at eight o'clock run through till five and then do do emergency calls all night and then come back at six in the morning, do the next broken leg. <laughs> How many vets in the practice then? Um, I came in as the fifth. So there was two for a long time and then three and then four and then five. So we're, um, and we worked like that for probably 10 years and I bought in. And so we, we were five partners, really good guys. Like they were great teachers for me. Yeah. And we sat down and, and tried to see how do we um, profit share. This is something people might be interested in. I don't know anyone else that did this. And we decided we don't want to track our income. Said so if you know if I take in the broken leg, and that's a big income generator for me, and you take in the turtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're both we're both helping people in the community equally. Um, so we decided. We didn't track each other's income. We just split it equally. We just trusted everyone's going to work hard. And, and the bar was sent, set really, really high. And um, it was a re so for 10 years, we were just the five vets working together. Um, it was a really good working situation. I worked really hard. I don't think I'd do it again, but in hindsight, I learned a ton in yeah. a short time. Yeah. yeah. So 10 years, you, you established this partnership. And then I know you spent some time on the East Coast. Yeah, so um, I guess that the hard work took its toll. I was just looking back. So 16 years into practice, I kind of hit a wall. Um, some people hit a lot earlier. <laughs> I was a slow learner. <laughs> and um, I loved what I was doing, but I thought there's something more. I just, 
and I didn't know what it was. I was I was really struggling with all all kinds of things, life and death and suicide. And is this what really what I want to do? I'd love doing it, but I'm just so tired. And something I'd seen when I was in vet school, I, I don't know if they still do it. This is the um, Saskatoon I went to. There was a visiting um, practitioner. He came back and he was one of three vets that ran a beef practice in Alberta. But only two of them worked at, at any one time. Every every third year, you took a year out. So you'd work for two years in a really busy, really busy practice. And then you took a year off. So there were three partners, but only two of them worked at any time. And yeah. two of them came back and took master's and, and PhDs in veterinary science. And I met them when I was at Saskatoon, talked to them. And they were just amazing people to get to know. And I thought, boy, when I get out, I want to do that sometime. When I'm 10 years out, I'm going to go back and spend a year at college. I've been thinking, and so when I we formed the partnership, one of the things I wrote into it was every five years, we can take a sabbatical of up to a year. And with reluctance, everyone agreed to that. And so it took me 15, well, 10, yeah, probably 10 years into it. And I worked for five and then bought in. Um, and I said, I want to take a, a sabbatical. Um, I want to go back to college. I want to learn to do, I really like surgery. I want to do back surgeries, do hemilaminectomies. Called around to see who would do it. No one would let me in. But um, Prince Edward I and the vet college there said, we don't have this program, but we're really short of vets. We'd love you to come. We can't pay you, but also um, you, don't ha- you don't have to pay us. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. Um, we went, we went, went for a couple of months trip around England, and then came back to PEI and spent a month in surgery there. And it was, it was just wonderful. If anyone can do that, I just, I just say it's the best thing you can do. Go back to college as a visiting vet and just soak up what's going on. Um, I remember the students coming to me. So what do you really do with this? And I remember uh-huh. asking the guy, you know, when we were in Saskatoon. So we learn all this stuff, but. Tell me, what do you really do with a parvo? What do you really do? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was great. I was considering maybe going into research, going back. Maybe I should go back to college. Uh, how was our time? So there's a story. I met a dog called Winston. He came in for, a, he was paralyzed, a cervical disc. was part of the surgery team that took it off. And they're big, those discs are huge. Have you done those surgeries? Yeah. They're not little. They're, there's a big chunk of stuff in there and took it out and then he was still paralyzed and i just decided to take him on i was did all the aftercare talked to the lady afterwards and i said winston in three weeks from now you and i are going to walk out of here together and every day he just kept getting better and better and better and and i was so encouraged and talked to his his uh, owner his lady wendy was across the pond in, in nova scotia we were on the island and she just loved just talking every day how things going. And then the day before he was set for discharge, the vet in charge said, uh, do a cystocentesis. I want to make sure we don't have a bladder infection. And I remember, you would understand this. I had the needle in my hand. And I had him there. And he was just starting to walk pretty good. And I, and I just had this feeling, I shouldn't do this. This is a bad idea. I don't want to poke this needle. I, but then, no, I'm at a college. I got to do, this is what we should do. I understand. We want to know, is there bacteria in there? He's been on immunosuppressors and has been retaining urine for a long time. But so against my sense, I 
poked him, got the cystu, and it bled just a drop coming out. I said, yeah. Oh, shouldn't have done that. <laughs> shouldn't have done that. The next day, he was pouring blood out, thrombocytopenic. He went into into DIC and died. Ah. Uh. And I just thought, oh man, we spent all this time. I was at this really high end university, and I couldn't save him. I was just it just shook me to the bones. Right. Um, had the rest of the year off. Came to the AH Remy. Someone said, if you're not sure what to do, go to the um, the holistic vet conference and you will find something. It's a smorgasbord. You'll just you'll find something that that triggers you. And so I went down, met every after each lecture, went and shook everyone's hand. Yeah. Had an amazing experience. That's another lecture, another talk. Um, but picked acupuncture and then did the IVIS course. So I wasn't yeah. working, I was on sabbatical. So I was great when I did the acupuncture course. I just spent my whole time studying. I had a, a room in the library at our local college, and I could really dig in and study it. Um, and then after 12 months, I was bored and said, I want to get back to work. And they said, well, we don't have a place for you. You still got another month. And I said, how about I'll just do acupuncture. So for one month, um, you don't even have to pay me. I'll just charge and give it to the office. I just want to do this. And so yeah, it was yeah. great. It was the best thing I could have done. Just came. All I did was acupuncture and um, had no obligations to, to make money or do anything. It was just fun. And the, the Sentinel case, everyone knows, the very first case you do, it's critical. Pay attention. If if you don't commit 100%, it's not going to go. And so I was committing. Everyone knows their first case. But this was a case came from three hours away. She phoned me up and she said, my two-year-old cat suddenly is deaf. Will acupuncture make it here? No, suddenly is blind. Suddenly became blind. He was he was having some ear problems. Gave him an anesthetic. Woke up from the anesthetic, completely blind. Yeah. He and anorectic. She had been force feeding him for eight months. And she uh. says, "Can acupuncture help?" I says, "I have no idea." <laughs> but come on up, we'll give it a try. Yeah. We were given. I bought some boxes, but I thought I'll never put do. I'll never burn something that smells like incense and marijuana in my clinic i just i'll never do it but i yeah. had this cat came in and it just it screamed at me kidney deficiency needs fire and so i did two points in the in the back on the on the bladder and put mocks on for my first time i thought i'm never going to do this this is just way out of character but you got to do that the sentinel case it pushes you to do something that's way out of your comfort zone she went home three hours back cat went to the dish and drank for the first time in eight months and the you know i'm a i'm a doubter so the doubter in me would say ah you know a six hour drive maybe you got thirsty (laughs) but but it was it really seemed like it was the trigger that turned this guy around and so i was i was really keen i still love my surgeries um still like um physics and math still was a techie but part of me now is being drawn to this dark side and um so the partners were very receptive of that. I think that's a challenge, you know, with some folks. How do you? Yeah, yeah. How do you do any alternative things? Um, John, who was my mentor, um, old-time rural vet, just one of those guys that you would love. He said, uh, "Jim, when I went into vet medicine because I just love helping people and animals. I didn't know that you could get paid to do that." <laughs> He says, I would have done this for free. I just love helping people that way. He was a great guy to work with. Um, And he said, Jim, it gives me the heebie-jeebies when I see you put those needles in. 
but don't stop doing it. And I thought that was the kind of support we had. It was um, it was great working at, within that that group. Yeah. Uh, so that was that. So that was back east. My my um, surgery. And in hindsight, I found the acupuncture is just a way more, I've helped more animals with that acupuncture than what I learned how to do the surgery. Um, and I decided I don't want to do surgery in the middle of the night. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, refer, I refer them now. Yeah. yeah. So how big is, how many part, how many people in the practice now? Yeah. So we're 12 plus now. We got a few um, part-time people. So I think if we count them all up, we're 14. Um, I sold my, my share of the partnership a few years ago, I thought I'd be retired by now. <laughs> uh, and I thought 40 years was a nice number. I probably, that's a time to quit. And then Morgan, the, the gal that's running the small animal part now, she says, do you want to just keep working? I said, yeah, one day a week. So I'm working at clinics one day a week. Yeah. I have full, full hospital privileges. I only see the animals and the people that I like. It's the best job I've ever had. I don't yeah. have to manage anything. I don't have, I was the, the main vet after another 10 years. And so I was the kind of the managing partner for a long time. And anyone that's done that knows the toll that that, that takes. So I'm just having fun doing exactly what I wanted to do 40 years ago. So after that first AHVMA meeting, were you hooked? Did you go back every year then after? Oh yeah. That's a whole, you know, I, I was really in this, in the, and you meet people who come into alternative medicine. Everyone on the IVIS course was in the middle of something. They were getting divorced or they're getting married. They left their practice or they're building a practice or they had cancer. They're recovering from cancer. Everyone was in a personal shift. It was really interesting. People get into it, be, not sometimes because of the medicine, but because personally they're looking for something new. And so I went down to the AHVMA first meeting looking i want to meet one person who understood something about the mind body connection between animals and people i was reading deepak chopra yeah and i loved his talk about that connect there's a connection you meet you meet the, your physician and you and there's something else that happens in there and you have to engage that or you or you're not going to initiate progress and i thought who's is anyone looked into that in animals. Surely someone is looking into that yeah. in animals. And I thought, I just want to meet one person who who can help me learn more about how can I get involved in a mind-body connection with my with my patients, whatever that means. I don't, yeah. you know, John was, the, he did it. He was the old time vet. I remember he would take a cat that was unmanageable. No one could touch him. He just says, don't touch him. Just leave him alone. He just pet her, just pet her. And he'd take, is two syringes, one with Depamedrol. Yeah. People still know that long-acting cortisone. The other was Pen Long XL, long-acting yeah. penicillin. Yeah. And you just and he would just pet their back, pet their back like that, and you could tell he was feeling where to put it. I am in the in the back, uh -huh. and the cat would just sit there, and he'd find the spot, and he'd give it a shot. Pen Long XL on one side, <laughs> Depamedrol on the other side, and the cat would just go, oh, like that. And I would just I said, how do you do that? He says, well, you just feel. So he was actually doing, he'd actually learned to do acupuncture without ever having been trained. He, he yeah. just did it naturally, yeah. right? Um, and so when I was going down, I was looking for one person that knew about this connection. And, um, and everyone I talked to, that's what they said. Every lecturer said, your modality is, is kind of a personal preference. It's, 
it's um, it's what you're thinking. It's your intent that's the the most important thing. Everyone, yeah. Home, yeah. the the homeopath and the acupuncturist and the herbalist, <laughs> everyone got up and said the same thing. I I was just so impressed, and I went and up and met everyone. I shook everyone's hand. You know, you you touch them. I wonder, are you real? Or are you faking it? And and they were all just real, honest people, really believing in what they did. I I was swept away, and then I left and went home. I was there was a retreat. That was the first retreat. Afterwards, I thought, I'm not going to commune with folks in the woods. That that's just crazy. I grew up in the woods. That was like I do that all the time. I don't need to have someone that's thinking about fairies. And then it, it got late, and I, I needed a place to sleep. So I thought, oh, it's just off the road. So I, w- I drove in and found them, and just I'm just going to sleep, and then I'll leave in the morning. And and they had a fire and a sweat, and oh, you're welcome to come. And Judith Ray. Judith Ray, if you're there, I love you. <laughs> she was just amazing. She says, you do Tai Chi? I said, yeah. And so we did Tai Chi in the pitch black dark in the river, on the river, little creek bed. And she just settled me down, did a sweat with the, so I sat with, in the sweat with people that were the lecture. They're the head of their, head of their field. And you're sitting there sweating with them. Yeah. And it was just, it was just, changed my entire outlook of how you learn stuff. It was, and so, yeah, I just went back every year. Every year I met a new friend. I said, I'm not going to repeat. I don't want to meet the old friends. I want to meet someone new. And every year there's someone new um, that you just have these incredible discussions with and learn a huge amount. Yeah. So were you doing Tai Chi before acupuncture, before Ivis or after? Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, probably five, four or five years before that. I was just accredited as an instructor when I went down there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I got up in the morning. I went out, did Tai Chi in the, in the, um, this great big tennis court that in Portland, it was in Portland where the conference was a while. And I, I could see people waking up in the morning and looking out and watching me. And I thought, this is so neat. So what I'm doing, I get this morning rush from doing Tai Chi and people could see me doing that. It was, it was neat. And so my goal has always been at that conference. I'd love it with someone brand new walking in, sees 50 veterinarians doing Tai Chi at the beginning of a veterinary conference. And, yeah. and they say, this is not like any conference I've ever been through before. <laughs> and, and it's come true now. It's, it's very neat. Yeah. We did, we did that in a forum in Portland yeah, a couple of years ago and, whole bunch of people had a chance to experience it. No, it's been great. And you served on the board. Yeah. So I never wanted to. I, that's not my area of expertise, but to their credits, um, oh, from Alaska phoned me up and said, Jim, we need some good people on the board. Would you be willing to come? And I said, I don't want to. She says, yeah, I know, but you're just who we need. Um, come on and help us out. And I said, Okay, I will. Because I'd said that this was such an important organization for me. I was in real tough shape when I went down there that that first time. And I met just some extraordinary friends who are still just extraordinary close friends. Um, If there's anything I can do to help this organization, I'm going to do it. It's the American Holistic Vet Medicine Association. You know that, and I'm a yeah. Canadian, <laughs> but that's okay. You say, uh, "How's it going?" A and I, and the others say, "Hey, how's it going?" We're the we're the same. <laughs> <laughs> so, at what point did you start flying? Then I know you you fly. Yeah, no, that's another. Um, uh, it probably was around that time. I was looking. I was looking at a bunch of different stuff. I love flying all my life, but I kind of gave it up. 
And then my wife said, Jim, what do you want for a Father's Day present? And I said, I want to just have one flying lesson. So I went to our local guy here, said, give me one lesson, but you need to do a spin because I know that that's how pilots used to die because they couldn't come out of the spin. He says, we never do that on the first flight. I said, I'm not going. I'm not going to pay you. I'm not going to go unless you promise to do a spin. Well, we'll see. And so we're up, of course, and he's doing all this stuff. And he says, you're ready? And I said, yeah. And he does one gentle little one. And I just started laughing. It was just <laughs> the most fun thing in the world. And I said, okay, go up and do it again. Go the other way. And I, I was just hooked. It's, it's, you're above the world. It's the closest thing to being an angel. Yeah. You, you leave the world and you go up and you look down. When I was six years old, my dad was in Air Cadets and I had a flight in a, in a plane, search and rescue with the Air Cadets. And I looked down in my life at six years old. And my wife says I've never landed since. <laughs> but, you know, from, from uh, 2,000 feet, everything is beautiful. The dump is beautiful. The, the dandelions are beautiful. You see, you see the world in a completely different way. You detach from your earthly existence. And for a brief moment, you're, you're part of the angels in the sky. It's an incredible experience. So you own a plane? Yeah. So um, foolishly, a, a partnership with one. And then a friend said, uh, do you want to share in this one? So one's an aerobatic biplane, open cockpit, come up and I'll take you for rides. All right. So, so leather helmet and goggles and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and the other is 1947 antique, just the most pretty little plane that you've ever seen in your life. Little Cessna 140. And airport's close to home. So it's no big deal. Oh yeah. Airport's five minutes away. Um, I met a guy from Germany, a pilot. He says, I have to phone two days ahead of time. So they pull the, my plane out of the hangar and get it ready for me. I can decide on, on zero notice to just drive up and, and get things ready. It takes me about an hour because I'm very meticulous. I go through and do a complete check over every time I leave. The mechanic is right next door and we do all the work together. I get to be his assistant. So I've been part of redoing the fabric wings, pulling the engine out, redoing everything. It's been a, it's a great experience. Probably uh, quite distracting from the day-to-day -day stuff with work. You know, there's a few things in life um, where you need to be present and, yeah. and so flying, especially on short final, you're coming in and if you screw up, you die. And it's very apparent, right? Yeah. And I think everyone should have that experience that it's nobody's, it's not the wind. It's not, there wasn't a mechanical fail. You come in and you have, you have to block everything else out. The only thing that you can have is right there. And I love what Charles Lindbergh had said. Um, when you approach a field for the first time, you look at all of the gauges, all of that sits into your mind, and then you reach into the subconscious mind and find the answer of how to land. So you have all this stuff that's an act of consciousness, but to do a good job, you have to get past that. And yeah, maybe that's, a, maybe that's an analogy of what that medicine is about, right? You have all this stuff that's in your mind, but to be really good at it, you have to go outside it. Uh, O'Grady's a cardiologist, gave a great conventional talk on cardiology. And he says, when you listen to heart sounds, he says, what you need to know, you have to hear that noise, that sound that's just out of your auditory range. The diagnosis lies just past what you can hear. 
And I thought, that's what he, he's talking about the same thing. This is straight <laughs> conventional medicine. He says, you, you've got to get outside of that. You have to be on the fringe. So you started doing the acupuncture in what, mid 90s? Yeah, 96. I yeah. think I looked up a chart when I did it. Yeah. There. So the, the public was pretty accepting of it then. It was pretty neat. We were the, the advanced guard going through. I was the second vet in British Columbia that was I, I was certified to do, to do acupuncture. There's a whole whack of us now. Yeah. Um, and our BC association was really open to alternative medicine. It was just, um, just make sure you inform them that this is not in the ordinary. You know, it was seemed to be really um, uh, a wise way to do it. It's been a bit different now. There's Lots of concern, right, about yeah. um, too many people getting involved in it. I'm not sure. Anybody else in the practice do it or just you? No, I've been, been encouraging a couple of people to, to do it. And I got biters, but no, <laughs> but no one's actually jumped in to do it. Um, yeah, I'm surprised. So I'm the, I'm the token um, person that deals with the weird clients. And uh, that's the, the receptionists say, oh, this is a gym client. <laughs> but what I've what I've found is, and you know, everyone that's listening to this will understand this, is as soon as you do one thing, you it's like a key, it opens the door, people are willing to talk to you. And so if you know, um, if you if you're just in the in the mainstream and you ask, so um what you feed your dog, oh only commercial, I only feed commercial food, right? That's the best thing. And, but because they know I do acupuncture, they'll just, oh, you know, I mostly feed raw and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I used to find in the old days, if I say, what did you feed? Oh, only Purina dog show. That's what I Oh, so if a piece of chicken fell on the floor, do you think he'd eat it? Oh, he loves chicken. <laughs> you got to you got to ask the right questions, right? Because they're, yeah. they're afraid of being taken to task. And one of the things when people said, oh, you do acupuncture, it was like, the, the floodgates just opened. They were willing to confide yeah. more than they would have otherwise, right? And so that's that's just great. You get a better story than if you're admonishing them over not doing something. Oh, agreed. Agreed. So your other pastime is singing. Yeah, that's um, that was most my most recent crisis that I was, when I sold the practice, that was, so 2012, that was the end of the world, right? The Aztec calendar right yeah um said that was the end, end of the world as we knew it and and i looked i thought that's a good time to get out of the business part i'll still want to work as a hired gun um but after i'd done it i was really depressed like I, th- I should have done this i have dropped out of my calling i i've it was like losing a friend. Um, it was like a death. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Um, not not being in. I was part of the bit, part of the partner, part of the business, but not part of the partnership. And I, I really, really struggled. That was my second kind of crisis. And then I met this group that sang barbershop harmony, and they did slapstick comedy. I, I played rock and roll way back in the old days. We had a group of four guys that got together, grade you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And you just pass a 45 around, learn your song, come back, give it to George tomorrow and give it to Don the next day. And then once a week, every Thursday night, we'd get together and sing Louie Louie or whatever was going on <laughs> and had a, had a ball. And so when I saw these guys, a quartet singing, and at the end, he said, we're looking for people to, to join us. I thought, man, 
this is it. This is the this is the rock and roll band that I've always wanted to get back into, and it's just been a huge pleasure. It's like Tai Chi. There's a if you, people would understand this. You have your own voice that you contribute to this, and you listen to your own voice, and you tune to yourself, and you have to tune to this to the three others. And ideally, you're in close enough so that you can hear it. And then to really, really tune well, you should be so equally matched that you can no longer hear individual voices. All you hear is the chord. Yeah. And that's only happened a few times. And we've been huddled shoulder to shoulder and you sing the song with the chords and there's no individual singing. There's just the chords resonating and, and ringing too. And it's, it's out of this world. It, really is it's like when you sit down with an acupuncture case and the the client's holding the dog you're touching the dog you're you're passing your hands over trying to find out what's going on you clear your mind and you just look for something to happen (laughs) yeah yeah now is it is it more difficult when you're seeing remotely now so it was yeah so we've we find we found a, a program if anyone's interested jam kazam is amazing it's it's finally got fixed up it was going to be dis, um, dismantled and someone resurrected it in in the pandemic um they figured a way to cut the leg like this um zoom is is uh there's quite a uh, leg but they figured a way to to cut that down and yeah so i sing fellow in the east coast and mid us and another one neighbor here so the four of us have been singing every friday night for eight months and it was interesting because last night um we we're doing a new song and then i said you know this is the first time that i completely forgot that we were distant it felt like i just closed my eyes like that and was just listening and i said it felt like the three of us were shoulder to shoulder together it was yeah. just it's an amazing it's amazing yeah so um yeah so tai chi sounds like i do a lot of things doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um all of that helps you know you need to have something away uh, well, what was it thank goodness you structured in that sabbatical i mean that's pretty unusual right it is and i you know I, people that work so hard and i realize it's tough to do that but Man, that, that was amazing to be able to step out. So I knew I could come back to my job yeah, and go and just do something completely different or something with veterinary medicine, but just take this whole break and come back. And I, I think like we all work so hard that even if you did it one month, <laughs> a year would be better. Um, I think it just does a huge thing to us to, to reset, just to go and do something completely different. Wow. It's a great idea. It's a great idea. Um, there's something else I was going to say. Oh, so when I first started doing acupuncture after about a year, the dog club said, could I come and give a talk? I hated giving talks, uh-huh. but it took a Dale Carnegie talking, speaking class. If anyone can do that, it's, it, it was wonderful. Turn me around. Yeah. And as I was driving down, it was an hour drive to get down to the club meeting. I thought, oh, I've been doing that medicine now just about 20 years. You need a hook. So when you start a lecture, you need you need a hook. What's going to grab them and, and make them wake up and pay attention? And I thought, have I been a successful veterinarian? I thought, huh, every animal I started with 20 years ago is dead. I haven't been able to cure. I haven't been able to save a single one. 
And so I had to build some kind of a philosophy that it wasn't about preserving life. Like it is, but it is, but that's not that's not the ultimate goal. And so that was my that was my opener for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, if the veterinarian's goal is to preserve life, I'm a complete failure. I've been unable <laughs> to preserve any of my first clients. So then what is it about? And so get into all that other thing about what is it about? My daughter's a professional. I asked her, what should I tell Neil? What's the most important thing? And she says, get to know your, your clients and find out what they want. That's good advice. And I thought, boy, that goes across any interaction, right? And so that's been um, that's been huge is to walk walk into the client and you think they want you to fix it. They might not. And so my best my question now is um, at first I'd shake their hand, which I can't, so that's a real problem now. Um, but would be um, why are you here and what is your expectation? Yeah, And I thought when I started with that, it just cuts right to the chase. Um, if on the card it says peeing in their bed, you walk in, oh, so your dog's peeing in the bed. And man, you're off in that direction. I mean, you've missed the whole thing. Yeah. Right. And so the lady, I remember that very clearly that one, we fixed the incontinence. And there was something completely different that she <laughs> was in for. <laughs> Anyhow. Good advice. Um, it's very good advice. And the advice my dad said, <clears throat> he says, Jim, work is when you would rather be doing something else. And his job, so he's up on the mountain and doing high-tech work. He said, I've never worked a day in my life. I love what I do. And I thought, I've been so fortunate to, to echo those same things. that uh, I've never had a boring day in my life. There's days I've been really, really tired. But um, we were in an honored position. Uh, my father-in-law said, Jim, you're really lucky. The only people that come to see you are people who care about something other than themselves. Oh, he, was yeah. a, he was a mason and a builder. And he says, there's a lot of people I work with that seem not to care about anything but themselves. But you're so yeah. lucky. The only people you meet are people who care about something other than themselves. They may not be pleasant. <laughs> yeah. It's a different story, okay? They yeah. may be in the midst of a crisis. And John used to say, Jim, if someone comes in and blows up, just realize you're just the 10th person. Yeah. Like, it's not you. It's, it has nothing to do with what just happened or what you're saying. You're, there's just a whole domino, and you just happen to be the end of the line. Just um, kind of a, cut them a bit of slack. Try and find out what they really need. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow. Well, thanks, Jim. This has been great. Um, thank you for all your uh, your service to the HVMA, of course. That's been a real pleasure. You know, I, I don't say that much about organizations, but I, I really love the group of people that I've been involved with there. And, uh, and it's been a huge pleasure to try and, and help out in any little way I can. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to the time when we can get together in person again soon. Yeah, come up and go flying. I'd love that. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Yeah, my pleasure. Good All night. right. 
This podcast is made possible through the generous support of the College of Integrative Veterinary Therapies. ZIVT provides world-leading education in natural medicine, including three accredited postgraduate qualifications, industry-recognized certifications, and a wide range of evidence-based courses and webinars delivered by qualified and experienced practitioners. By bridging cutting-edge science and tradition, CIVT helps you to expand your treatment options to tackle your most challenging cases. And whether you're a veterinarian, veterinary technician or nurse, animal health professional, or someone who wants to learn more, they have the right course for you. Investigate their offerings at civtedu.org. If you're enjoying this podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take the time to tell a friend and to give us a favorable rating on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for your support. We'll see you next time.